watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here, Here comes the binge. binge. Hey everybody, welcome to The Binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I'm Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Lartan. Today we're going to take a look at three movies. Get Out, Kiki, and The Girl with All the Gifts. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being our highest rating. Consume in moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And send it back means... Life is too short for that mess. It is. I'm getting shorter every day. I've heard that. Yeah. Uh, Feels forever, though. (laughs) It does feel uh, like a lifetime. Every day feels so long. (laughs) What uh, What have you been doing with your days? Oh, well, let's see. Um, mainly, I've been buying tickets to things and then not going to them. Oh, is it's that what you're doing? It's a fun new thing. It's a new leaf I've turned over now that I'm 35. I feel like you've been going to a lot of things, no? And yet, I don't. Um, so this past week, I've been dealing with a little um, medical whoopsie. Oh. Uh, and it started to spring up just as we were uh, welcoming our guest, Mr. George Northey, mm-hmm. last week. Mm-hmm. Um, as we talk, we are sitting next to the bed where he slept. We are. And I did catch Rebecca wriggling around in it earlier. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, so. just so tired. (laughs) You just wanted a scent, and that's fine. (laughs) Uh, so I had this medical oopsie that was sort of rearing his head while he was here. And it's been a week of horror, um, with this whoopsie. And, I mean, uh, you're being so vague. I know, because it's it's a gross thing. The body is disgusting. The things the body can do just randomly on a dime are horrifying. Like this thing you just suddenly have. And you're like, why? why where did that come from? And doctors are like, oh, there's no real cause for it. It's like, well, why does it happen then? They're like, no reason. Um, with that said, we're going to cut you open. Um, Whoa, you had surgery? I went under the knife. I had an emergency under the knife procedure last Saturday. Um, after I saw you? Uh, yeah, mere moments after, uh, actually, I said goodbye to George, and off I went to, I did not know when I left that I was going to have an emergency incision upon my person, um, but I did. Whoa. And, Are uh, you okay? We have not talked about this no, at all. Off, no, Off I, mic. I am, I am, I am blindsiding you. I wanted, I wanted your honest reaction. I mean, my honest reaction is, is it contagious? Am I in trouble right now? Should I've I already, leave? I've already rubbed it all over your chair. What and, is it? And also your microphone. Um, no, it's just, a, it's just a thing. Okay, and, okay. Um, it's just a thing. It's just a thing. That and, I can't get. And I was just at, <laughs> no, you cannot. Well, not from me, I don't think. Um, but yeah, I was just at one medical for like the fucking like 14th time in one week today, mm. having a oh. check in about it. And, um, and I don't know, I've just been like, when you have a medical thing, it makes you real tired. Yeah, um, that's true. And, um, which I, I, I've been fortunate not to have many medical things. Uh, mm-hmm. so like I, this is all new to me and I'm such a sissy about pain. Oh my God. Mm. Oh, is it painful? Yes, it was painful. Um, and then the, I mean, I'm a sissy about pain. I'm a sissy about needles. I all these things I cannot, I I can't handle because, and I think this is this is a form of male privilege of like being able to be afraid of like pain and discomfort at at the doctors. Um, I think that women in general are subjected to mm. just a constant barrage of like invasive, painful, mm. humiliating procedures. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and men get to be like, no, nah, needles. Um, <laughs> and I am very much that. 
I was speaking to my mother about this um, on Sunday, and um, and then she favored me with approximately ninety minutes worth of her own medical horror stories to cheer me up. Oh wow! Because I think that like most parents are just waiting for like the slightest the cue to be like, oh, you've reached the age where I can tell you about getting old, yeah. <laughs> um, and then they just unleash just yeah. a, just a library of chestnuts, um, and they were they were a delight. Um, but yeah, so it's just been ongoing, and I had tickets to nut, to to concerts three nights in a row this week because we're in the middle of of noise pop mm, yes, um, uh-huh. here in San Francisco. And I had tickets um, to uh, to see Way's Blood on Tuesday night. I had tickets to see Julia Holter last night. I have tickets to see Julian Baker tonight. And so far, I'm over two. Mm, well, take on, care of yourself. On actually going. Um, and I might be over three, hard to say, because I thought this one was like at a concert uh, venue just right down the block. Mm-hmm. But it's actually like two blocks away, and that might be a deal breaker. Fair. Uh, I mean, so we'll see. But I mean, I don't think you should push yourself. I think you should listen to your body. But I feel like every time you buy a concert ticket and don't go, you are just like putting another nail in your coffin. Like, I am old. I will not leave the house anymore. No, every time you buy a concert ticket, you're supporting that artist financially, which is great. Mm-hmm. And if you can't go because you had surgery this week, it doesn't actually mean it because you're not going to the show doesn't mean you're closer to death because you had to go under the knife in the first place means you're closer to death. You're already there. Thank you. Just, just I hadn't thought of it like that. You're welcome. I will say I've been sleeping very well because my body is exhausted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that I'll keep. <laughs> <laughs> Are you usually a bad sleeper? Um, I would say I'm normally a, somewhat a, a fitful sleeper. Um, mm-hmm. But like this has been like I fall asleep real easy because my body is like, get me out of here. Very tired. Yeah. It's doing all the inside work. My brain wants to escape. Healing. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> that's what's been up with me. Now that you have, everyone feels like they've just gotten an unsolicited phone call from their like weird uncle um, <laughs> who is like making uncle vague hints at some medical thing he's going through. Mm-hmm. Um, Rebecca, what's up with you? Um, I mean, I guess I'll go off the sleep thing. I'm usually a very uh, easy sleeper. Uh, well, uh, well, I uh, don't fall asleep very easily, but once I do, I am in and out for the night. But mm. um, this past week, um, there I live in a I live in a house that we rent, and they're doing construction. They're adding a second unit onto the back dash underneath the house, and um, they made some mistakes, I think, mm. um, or didn't expect there to be so much rain, um, and it has been flooded pretty much. You know, like all month, or you know this. Yeah, I guess all month since it's been raining um, a lot here in California. Mm-hmm. So. Like we kind of like peek down there and and there's actual flooding and there's like kind of mold everywhere. And so the construction solution has been to dig a bunch of dirt out of the ground and put in uh, what I I think is called a sub pump. Hmm. So basically it sounds like um, my house is throwing up. It is this really aggressive, disgusting purging sound of moving, sloshing water through pipes that just kind of turns on randomly at around like 1030, 1045. (laughs) So I'm like a person who has uh, terrible phobias around yes. uh, throwing up. Long-time listeners of this show might remember. <laughs> that... I can't. I can't. It, there's a whole thing. I have a root. I mean, there's a whole situation <laughs> where I can't um, be around it. She literally um, cannot. I can't. It's too much. So I've just been like sitting, lying in bed like a captive prisoner, like sweating and freaking out and being like, the house isn't throwing up. The house isn't throwing up. Everything's going to be okay. Um, and then somehow eventually I was going to sleep. I've been trying to tell myself stories that the noise is something else. Oh, this is adorable. Um, Are you like, you're like, you're like, Shasta, eat some bad sushi. That's no, all. No, no. Because that'll make it worse. 
Yeah, that would be terrible. Like, what non like what non um, body sound related thing can you tie this to to make so, it seem less horrifying? I was dreaming, like trying to make myself dream that I was on. Uh, like a beautiful wooden boat uh, like off the coast of Italy but like one of the things about this old boat is that it has this pump and then so I'm like laying out sunning myself in the warm Italian sun very like uh, talented Mr. Ripley like um, I like <laughs> you to get there I was like oh how very Diane Lane of you you're like you know like Jude Law and talented Mr. Ripley that's my <laughs> happy under place under the Tuscan sun <laughs> that's my happy place <laughs> yeah that is my happy place <laughs> uh, so there I am Vicky the, Greenleaf <laughs> the shipping Greenleafs you know right. um yeah, so that that was my that got me to bed one night, and then uh, I need to use it again if it comes up. I can't tell when it's coming up; it's freaking me out. Hopefully, it hasn't been raining, so I think it won't come up tonight. That is a special kind of limbo um, that, <laughs> it uh, is, that, that a, you are living in. The fourth ring of hell, right? Where, um, your house. Uh, it's is, like it's hard to say. Like, what would you rather have? Just be like fully flooded, like a lot of towns, or be in your home but stuck listening to a vomiting building all night. <laughs> so aggressive. It's tough. It's so aggressive. Oh. Ugh. I am sorry to hear that. That is also news to me. Yeah, it is. Um, well, I'm sleeping like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I don't have uh, to worry you with... I'm glad you don't have to sleep in my house. Yes. Yeah, that would be yeah, terrible. That would be... Uh, I mean, I wonder if it would bother me. I would love to hear what it actually sounds yeah, like. I... You should go like... You should Facebook Live it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll periscope it. We're kind of like on Arrested Development when uh, when uh, Lucille is like taking video of Buster snoring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, this is Buster snoring. It's driving me crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll do that. I'll cool. get right on that. Great. Uh, I think it's supposed to rain this weekend, so uh, look <laughs> forward to my uh, 10 p.m. Did you see the diagram that showed that like the drought really is literally almost gone? Yeah. That's insane. Uh, it really is insane. Also, good. All those fucking people talking about oh, it. I find enough. Cause the, Can the we have water at like, restaurants that are asking for it again, please? The people who are like, well, you know, that doesn't mean the drought's over. Oh, Jesus Christ. I uh, know. Uh, yeah. Actually. Uh, actually. Yeah, you can actually, those people um, now. Actually. Exactly. You can re- counter actually. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Oh, oh nothing, nothing better. Nothing burns an actually like an actually. Ah. <laughs> uh. Mm. Smug bastards. Mm-hmm. Let's get on to our first movie. Um, okay. We're going to start with Get Out, which is our pick of the week. Pick of the week. Pick of the week. Pick, pick, pick is the pick, pick of, of the week. week. Now that Chris and his girlfriend Rose have reached the Meet the Parents milestone of dating, she invites him for a weekend getaway upstate with her parents. At first, Chris reads the family's overly accommodating behavior as a nervous attempt to deal with their daughter's interracial relationship. But as the weekend progresses, a series of increasingly disturbing discoveries lead him to a truth that he never could have imagined. You got your toothbrush? Check. Do you have your deodorant? Check. Do you have your cozy clothes? Got that. What? Do they know I'm black? Should they? You might wanna, you know. Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked that he's a black man. <laughs> I ain't never seen you like this before, bro. Meeting families, taking road trips. Don't come back all bougie, man. Come back, get your damn pants up to your damn stomach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so guys, uh, I did not get to see Get Out this week. Such a shame. Uh, I am so angry. Well, now we know why. Uh, yes, that's true. Um, uh, sure, I'll blame it on that. I thought you were doing something stupid. Uh, no, no, it was just purely a medical <laughs> whoopsie. Um, just fatigue, fatigue, fatigue mm-hmm. from just bleeding, really, bleeding and healing. But 
Uh, no, I didn't get to go see Get Out, which I am so, so distraught about. And I'm going to make it right in the next few days and check it out. Um, and likewise, um, our movies two and three, I got to see and Rebecca mm-hmm. was not able to see. So we have no overlap this week. Um, but None. we'll do our best to talk about these movies in a way that's still interesting. So uh, get out, uh, Rebecca. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. This is. A- I feel um, ridiculously um, unprepared for to describe how good this movie is. Really. So let's just start off with. <clears throat> I want to be very mindful of not uh, ruining the spoilers because, okay. first is, and foremost, is it, it is a very good horror movie. Okay. Uh, it's a you know it's a great thriller horror, and up until the very last moment. Um, it really, you really don't know what's going to happen. Um, and so I would hate to ruin that for you, especially with the way, there's just a very particular ending that fits this movie very well mm. um, that I don't want to spoil. Okay. Um, so because it's, it, yeah, because it's such a, such a good horror movie, I don't want to, I don't want to take away from any of the thrills that, that you could have. You have to see this movie. <laughs> End review. And that's it. All right. Okay. I think I did a good job. God, I was right at R. So, uh, so it's a horror film, mm-hmm. but uh, it's also somewhat of a comedy. Yes. It's also incredibly funny. Um, it's funny in a way that is um, doesn't feel. Uh, it feels very realistic. Um, mm. You know, most of the humor comes between uh, two friends. The main character is this guy Chris, who's played by Daniel Kaluuya, and his best friend Rod, who's played by Lil Ro. Lil Rel Howery, um, and their friendship um, is is so natural and and so easy, and he's so funny uh, that that the the humor isn't it's not like it's necessarily trying to be a comedy. Mm. It's just part of this relationship. So there's not like gags per se. No, no. Like the other funny falls, part would be physical comedy. No, no. It's not it, the it's, all the physical uh, all the is, use of, of of physicality is is the horror. Interesting. It's a medical horror. Oh. Um, you know, it's kind of like a being, it's like a hypnosis horror, hmm. uh, being trapped. Um, and then it's, you know, this whole idea of mm-hmm. race, which is right. um, the real horror of the movie. Do you think that uh, audiences who maybe wouldn't get the, would you say that a lot of the humor comes from sort of the, the uh, racial commentary? Yeah, a, a fair amount of it does. I think if you uh, are at all aware of of uh, how things are, um, you'll there will be a lot of like face palm funny moments mm-hmm. um, where you're just like you know this his relationship with Allison Williams, her uh, seeming so naive about um, what could happen to them or how he could be judged for his race is mm-hmm. funny. And Allison Williams plays the girlfriend. Yes, Allison Williams plays his girlfriend. They're a couple who are about to make their weekend trip up to her family's home, which seems like it's in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, and then sort of when they finally get to uh, the family home, the way the the parents are sort of awkward about race mm-hmm. um, is is funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but the majority of the humor is really from uh, the relationship between Chris and his best friend. Okay. Mm-hmm. And is he, what's the relationship once he is up at the house? So he's up at the house and his friend is, you know, his friend is happy for him. He's in a relationship that, that seems to really be working. He's never, you know, as you think we heard in the clip, you've never, he's never seen him like this before. Um, but as Chris checks in with him, you know, their best friends are constantly talking. He's giving mm-hmm. him updates. Um, his, his best friend, his name is Rod, who works for the TSA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. He's kind of putting things together. He thinks this is wrong. He thinks that seems weird. He thinks it's strange that the mm-hmm. his mother wants to her mother wants to hypnotize him sure. to help him quit smoking. 
Um, and so he's the one who kind of starts to put everything together and starts to try to uh-huh. alert, like figures out that something is going wrong, tries to alert the authorities, which is another hilarious scene of him trying to go to the police and like, you know, having them take him seriously as a TSA agent who like mm-hmm. puts it all together. And um, there's like a really funny exchange where he's telling this police officer what he thinks is going on up there. And um, she like brings in her friends and then they're all sitting there listening to him and then everyone just laughs at him. Uh, but he's determined. He's determined to figure mm. it out. Um, and it's a really great story of friendship. Um, mm. You would Everyone would hope they have a friend like him who's oh. really willing to go up there and, and put himself in danger and not not let it not let things go not just kind mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. Uh, let his friend go yeah. um, missing basically uh, the parents are played by Catherine Keener and Bradley Whitford is mm-hmm. that right yeah and from how, West Wing and how are they uh, perfectly awkward I mean Catherine Keener um, so they play she's a, a psychiat- psychiatrist and he's a neurosurgeon mm-hmm. um, and you know they, they she plays a very welcoming mother um, with concerns about her daughter you know her big concern is that he smokes mm-hmm. and so she's trying to um, to hypnotize him out of it um, and that goes south mm-hmm. uh, as you would assume but um, she does a great job of playing the bad guy but under the guise of, of being this like warm sweet mother I feel like a lot of the reason that it works is because for a long period of time you know these things are happening to him and, and they just seem like microaggressions mm-hmm. they're kind of just not overtly racist things but yeah. as you watch them build up I think it's, it's a really good I think opportunity mm-hmm. teaching moment right to see how these how things can be perceived from a different point of view even though the attention at first seem you know um, seem fine right which, um, which is something I think culturally that people could benefit from seeing because I think mm-hmm. just the word microaggressions has taken on has has become sort of like a pejorative joke word mm-hmm. yeah uh, by all the certainly like... after post-election mm-hmm. it's been thought of as as you know just like one symptom of an oversensitivity right um on the left mm-hmm. uh so uh but it sounds, snowflakes snowflakes and, and whatnot so it sounds like you're so saying like, that this film depicts like that yeah sure um these are small things but like when they are happening consistently mm-hmm. um from the same people um then they do build up and there's a cumulative effect that happens mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and and before things start to go down a road that becomes you know a real horror movie um, you could see how this even sets him up in a way where he seems he doesn't want to overreact um, and he doesn't want to seem like he's uh, thinks something there that isn't. Um, but that's just kind of a, a, a greater symptom of, of this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie actually starts off with this really uh, interesting scene I wasn't expecting at all. And it's um, Lakeith um, Stanfield, Stanfield mm-hmm. from Atlanta. And he's up in this neighborhood, and you don't know at the time it's that neighborhood yet. And he's walking around. He's trying to find this address. Um, and then this car slows down, and it's following him. He's, like, walking through a suburban neighborhood. And he's, like, complaining on the phone to his friend or whoever that he, like, why do they make this street this name? And it's so hard to get around. And, and he's, like, oh, this guy's following me. And he's just, like, starts talking to himself. And he's, like, oh, not tonight. Mm-hmm. I don't want this to happen tonight. And so... <clears throat> You know, after the things that we've seen in, in this country over the past couple of years, right? Uh, when he ends up getting uh, attacked and captured by this person in the car, it it at that point it doesn't feel at all like it's even going to be a horror movie. It feels mm. like it's going to be like a, you know, Trayvon Martin story, right, like um, a, just a really rip from the headlines racial drama. Exactly. From there, you know, the movie goes into the story of of Chris and, and Rose. It the way it it weaves together unbelievable horror mm-hmm. and then the situation of race mm-hmm. is is pretty clever yeah and um pretty seamless so this movie is directed up until the very end and the movie is directed by 
Jordan Peele yes. of Key and Peele yes. and Keanu. And Keanu. And Keanu. Previous binge pick. Uh, and uh, is he in the movie at all? No, he's not. I, you can definitely see his voice in, in The Best Friend. Mm-hmm. Um, the Their humor and his comedy um, right. definitely is, is there. Um, but no, he's not in the movie at all. Uh, there was, I believe, a, an essay on Vulture about how uh, Allison Williams' character embodies uh, how, like, the good white person can be, like, an evil. Yeah. Like, the well-meaning white person as, like, uh, sort of, like, a uh, horror character. Yeah, sort of like how we mentioned before, um, her intentions seem warm. Like, she wouldn't expect there to be racism in the world. Mm-hmm. So, of course, she wouldn't tell her family that she's dating a black guy. Right. Um, but that, that ignorance really, you know, just sets him up for a terrible situation. It's a it's a perfect role. Um, you know, you kind of wonder the whole time if she's in on what, what ends up happening to him or not. You know, it ties into that scene from Hidden Figures we loved so much. Uh, with Kirsten Dunst. With Kirsten Dunst mm-hmm. and Octavia Spencer, where she kind of gets checked for uh, sort of just an unexamined, uh, kind of unchallenged view of, like, her role in things and being like, well, it's not me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, this isn't, I mean, I'm not making any of this happen. Uh, so it's sort of like a modern update of that. Yeah. Of, of like, oh, you know, this like white girl being like, well, no, I'm like, you know, she's like, I mean, I'm dating you. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, I, I like this is not we're good white people. And she pretty quickly turns around, like sort of after the first night of dinner with the parents, she um, kind of realizes all the like goofy things her dad says. And mm. like uh, she has a brother who's like clearly the most creepy character of all. He's played by um, Caleb Landry Jones. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's uh, just comes off like a real freak. Mm. Uh, he's very aggressive. He's mm-hmm. drunk. Um, and so, you know, they're kind of closing up for the night. And she's like, oh, my God, my parents are these people. My family mm-hmm. is terrible. I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't realize it. So mm-hmm. that, that kind of comes a, um, comes around pretty yeah. quickly. Okay. Um, which is another interesting moment in terms of, like, making him feel more at ease. And, like, who is he, um, who is he allies with? And who is, does he have to be afraid of? Um, so as the, uh, weekend goes on there, they have this memorial, uh, annual celebration the next day for her, for her grandfather where all these people come and there are some, just some strange things about the house. They also have, um, two black people that work at the house. One is a housekeeper and one, uh, kind of works the yard. Hmm. Um, and they just have a very robotic way about them. Very unnatural, very, um, very proper um and chris can't get can't get a good vibe off of them at all Hmm. as the weekend goes on you see the way that they treat him it basically looks like a modern day slave auction Hmm. they're like assessing him in terms of his uh size his ability he's a he's a he's a fantastic photographer Mm -hmm. so they're kind of you know just sizing up all the things he can do and saying all the things that it's just this kind of almost like this like cut scene of all these like terrible things that you you (laughs) say and do Wow, and that sounds uh, that sounds nuts. I can't wait to see it, and it's such a special perspective to have in a horror film because historically, the joke with black characters in horror films has been that they die first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, even in uh, in the third film that we'll talk about tonight, that kind of bears out. Um, and you know, it, it just never fails. Like no matter how many you know horror films or genre films in general I watch, it usually seems like the black or brown characters. Um, that are kind of like second tier supporting are the ones that go first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it, there's been a real lack of, um, of sort of, uh, uh black voices in horror, um, outside of sort of like the black exploitation era, which was just so much, you know, genre revelry, mm-hmm, yeah. uh, filtered through that sort of specific seventies lens. 
Uh, so this is uh, so this is unique in a lot of ways. I can't think of many, and there I think it kind of happened again in the nineties. Remember there was like. Um, Tales from the Hood was that a oh, thing? Oh right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even like, yeah, scary movie kind of had like scary. A, oh yeah, scary. A... Well, yeah, yeah. As a full on, uh, yeah, scary movie. Did, I mean, all props to scary movie. Oh, of course, forever. <laughs> uh, so, but it sounds like this is you know this is coming out at a time when there is yeah. so much more um, kind of relevance to it, and it's uh, so much more of a of a volatile moment, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and it's 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 casting the black experience into a horror framework uh which is something that is 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 kind of new Mm -hmm. and hasn't really been done more often we've seen the worst fears of women have been again Mm -hmm. and again realized Mm -hmm. in horror films uh but in terms of sort of the fears of 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 african-americans uh you know social fears political fears you know, bodily fears. Yeah. Uh, we haven't seen so much of that. I think, especially when the first scene I described um, uh, with the Keith walking around, mm-hmm. um, that, that hit me in terms of thinking of, of like all the, the horror movies of like women shouldn't be out walking alone and all the things that could happen. Um, it seemed like it was a, a kind of a call to that. Um, but, it, but for, but for, for black men. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this is the opposite of spoil that shit. I am like really <laughs> so hesitant careful. to say anything because I, I mean, it's a real loss if you don't see it. Yeah. Um, and it, and so much of it is just, it's so um, well crafted that I, mm. I can't, I can't ruin it for you. Do you feel like it, uh, like it speaks to the time so well that it feels like it was just like made yesterday? Yes. It's like, how fast did they get this right. together? Yeah. Um, there's this point where like one of the embarrassing kind of things that her father says is like, I would have voted for Obama a third time if I could have. Um, and it just, you know, even that just feels so, uh, current. so current. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and is there anything particular that you hope that different audiences will take from this movie that you can answer without feeling like you're spoiling it? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hope that. The I hope that the progression makes sense to people, uh, to white people. I hope that they don't, you know, just kind of explode at the end and say like, "This is insane. This is you know, we're we're not like this, and mm. this isn't you know." When it gets to the to the crazy horror, you know, medical mm. crazy thing, mm. um, that's medically impossible and probably unrealistic. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, but really focus on the buildup and like what can put people in that frame of mind. Um, and, and how, how serious it is. So hopefully that, that, that doesn't get lost. So, um, so why, so white people put your defenses down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. just go on the journey. Don't be looking at this as an, as an attack. Yeah. As like a literal, uh, uh, attack on things. But also, I mean, another thing that I thought about with this movie was I thought about Requiem for a Dream hmm. at the point where, um, you know, they where uh, the Wayans brother ends up just getting hmm. like deposited into some jail and oh, basically yeah. gone missing, mm-hmm. um, that these things happen. And like when there's a group of people that like the police don't stand up for and they can't rely on the police to like protect them or save them or care where they are. I mean, how many like, you know, black women went missing in Cleveland with that serial killer and Mm. like, just these things aren't so unrealistic. Like these, that is a real fear that like people will go missing Mm -hmm. um, because our society doesn't, doesn't, you know, pull out an Amber Alert for, for sort of um, everybody equally, which is tragic. Also, that Wayans brother had a name and it's Marlon. Marlon, Marlon's (laughs) name. Marlon Wayans. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) <laughs> um so, so yeah binge it 
Yes. See it immediately. Again, as Jason says, vote, you know, what is it? Vote with your dollars. Vote with your dollars. This weekend is important. Um, mm, so yeah, be a, see it opening weekend if you can. It's a bit gory. Um, it's pretty violent. Uh, mm. It's very scary. Um, real, you don't see a lot of horror comedies that have like real scares. Would you even call us a horror comedy or is it just more of a straight on? Uh, I would call it a horror, horror movie that has like, com- you know, comedic uh, uh, undertones. I would call it a, a horror mm. movie with a comedic undertone. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's rated R for violence, bloody images, and language, including sexual references. It's so good. <laughs> Can't it's wait. so good. I don't even like horror movies. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, every time we've had Joshua uh, Grinnell on the show to talk about a horror movie, you're always, you have your horror disclaimer. You're like, no, I don't know about horror. Yeah. I mean, this one does definitely have a Rosemary's Baby element to it, which is like the only horror movie I've ever been like on mm-hmm. board with. Right. Um, Not being believed. Yeah, that was my biggest fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't believe that. Uh, damn it! <laughs> <sighs> okay, movie number two, Jason. It's time to talk about Kiki, a dynamic coming-of-age story about resilience and the transformative art form that is voguing. Kiki offers riveting and complex insight into the daily lives of a group of LGBTQ youth of color who compromise the Kiki scene a vibrant, safe space for performance created and governed by these activists. Vogan is not just a dance to me. It's like an outlet to me. A lot of agencies are being hit hard. When you have people fighting over money, the Republicans don't understand why you know, we need these resources because it doesn't affect their community. The civil rights of LGBT Americans, uh, this is an issue uh, whose time has come. We still got to fight for our equality in the workplace and non-discriminations for that. We still got to fight for LGBT homelessness. We got to fight for trans rights. There's so much left. We try to live in like the heteronormative systems and they don't work and they oppress us. So why we just don't create our own systems? So that's a pretty um, relevant Thing to say relevant yes we're in a really tough time right now we are you had a really good uh you posted something really um really uh, insightful on on facebook do you want to talk you. about it uh yeah so as we're taping this it is the day after uh the trump administration announced that they are reversing obama's executive order directing publicly funded schools to allow uh, students to use the facilities that correspond with their gender um, this is the first actual concrete thing the Trump administration has done to undermine federal protections and, uh, and equal rights for LGBTQ community. And it needs to be pointed out as such. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, there's been a lot of talk from his people. Not that we've, you know, whatever what they say is what they say. But, um, you know, they've said that they are go- not going to be against LGBTQ people. But, I mean, from the time he got elected, one of my first thoughts was trans people are fucked. Yes. Um, And And then uh, Jeff Sessions being uh, attorney general is really... I feel like if they got to say Barack Hussein Obama for eight years, we could say Jefferson Beauregard Sessions for as long as he is the AG. Absolutely. Because that is his actual name. Um, But, you know, getting Sessions as AG, of course, he's going to be like, well, well, no, that doesn't make sense. Uh, You know, like, we're not going to do that. Yeah, I think he said something like, I don't think... I don't imagine women and queer people have trouble like that anymore. <laughs> no. I just don't see it. 
Uh, it's tough. So it's the first. So first of all, anyone who maintains that Trump is is not uh, it, uh, it targeting federal protections and equality of LGBT people, you can't say that anymore no. because it just happened. And uh, you also don't get to parse it out and be like, well, that's just trans people. Though. No, he has an idea. We're all the, yeah. we're in this fight together. Yeah, we are a community together. And this affects all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I had some, inevitably, some dumb shit um, got on there and did, it was like a series of, of like progressing, like conservative troll uh, tactics, where first he was like, oh, he's like, you know, veterans can't get health care, homeless in the streets, public schools in shambles, and you guys are all talking about bathrooms. I'm so embarrassed for you all. Wow. And I was like, be embarrassed for the Republican lawmakers who forced this to become an issue by legislating against it and drumming up fear among their constituents. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. No trans person wants the whole country talking about where they use the bathroom, believe nope. me. And then he went to another attack where he was like, well, fine, enjoy, you know, talking about this thing that makes you look cool on Facebook. But as for me, I'll be standing with our daughters and sisters and mothers and protecting them. Uh. And, uh, and uh, you know, which is horrifying. Uh, and the great thing is a few different women commented and they were like, don't do this on my behalf. I'm much more worried about, you know, like um, being raped by men on a college campus or mm-hmm. by the clergy mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, like our daughters have, uh, have much greater things to worry about, statistically speaking, than men dressing as women and going into women's bathrooms. Um, and, uh, you know, and then he posted this deranged, this deranged Facebook post from someone else that was like, you know, I feel like there's a really obvious solution, uh, for all for this whole issue. It'll make both sides happy. Um, you know, if you, if you say that you're, if you're a man and you say that you're a woman, then, you know, and you want to use women's bathrooms, just get chemically castrated. Then, you know, you won't have testicles anymore and everyone gets what they want. Oh my god! And and I was like, and after he had posted that, I was like, okay, cool. Well, I'm like, thanks for unmasking yourself so quickly. Is just a garden variety transphobe, so we don't yeah. bother debating with you. Thanks. Exactly. And you back, and he was like, did you even read what she said? Uh, you know, she has an answer. Oh, way to be so typically emotional and unresponsive and Ooh, not hearing other people's. This? Yeah, I'm like, he is just he's just going like check by check by check through like the conservative trolling you mm-hmm. know handbook. And I was like, dude, I read what she said. And like, it is pure madness. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you've come here to share it as if it is in any way a reasonable suggestion just says enough. Um, but anyway, so yes, I was watching. So Kiki, I had first watched um, last uh, summer because it played at Frameline um, mm. last year. And, um, and then I watched it again last night and watching it again now post-election is extremely, extremely poignant and bittersweet um, because as we heard in that clip, you know, it shows, um, you know, Obama's address um, mm-hmm. for Pride Month that came just before the Supreme Court's decision on marriage equality. And that I think we all just felt invincible yeah. Um, yeah. at that time. And, um, you know, like progress had been made that could never be unmade. And, um, you know, and just imagining and any, any recollection of having him as president is, is like a knife in the heart now. Um, and, uh, and there were actually some of the members, some of the senior members of this community in Kiki were at the white house. Oh, really? They were among those invited to attend, like the queer activists who were invited to attend. It was just, uh, we all lived through it together. It happened. It really did (laughs) happen. We were there. We didn't make it up. We were there. Um, so, uh, all of which is to say. Kiki is, um, and we'll, you know, I'll get to more about 
what the movie is is about and its ties to Paris is burning and all that right, stuff. That's the, wait, there goes my one question. It's <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it is it is a movie that was filmed by um, a, a, a Swedish uh, documentary filmmaker and uh, and co-directed by one of the um, one of the leaders of the Kiki scene, whose name is uh, Twiggy. And um, or I think his name is like Twiggy Gucci Garçon. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and it was filmed over the course of four years in this in this ball scene um, in in New York, which is now called a Kiki. The call, which the scene is just called Kiki, which I believe is it's somewhat different from like the Let's Have a Kiki um, mm. or like slang of like Hey, let's Kiki this weekend. Mm-hmm. Like this is kind of different because like it's sort of like a name they've taken on for this entire um, subculture. Okay. Um, so. Um, uh, so they're following this movement for four years. And in that time, several of the people who are being filmed go through transitions. Mm. And this movie, I think anybody who's like, oh, I don't know, I don't know that I understand trans identity or I don't know that I believe that it's real. Um, I think if you watch this movie, just seeing this sort of time lapse of four years and the difference it makes in these trans women's lives, um, because, you know, and, and, and the, the film is also edited in sort of like a nonlinear way. Mm. So like it'll introduce you to them like as they are like present day as like trans women. And then before you know it, it's just like it flips the script and you're looking at them like four years ago when they were just like he's like basically these like these quiet teen boys mm-hmm. um, who, who, you know, who just look so like out of the out, out of sorts in their own skin. Mm-hmm. And um, and you're like, oh, wow. You know, like this this is clearly this is clearly a woman, you know, like this is, right. this is clearly a woman who has not been able to align with her gender, uh, you know, physically externally yet. And, um, and it's, it's, it's just, it's a humanity. I think that, I think that this is with any, with any movement, it's always about finding the humanity, finding mm-hmm. some sort of, finding some, some way of just getting people to understand the humanity of that movement. And I think that Kiki um, goes a long way in accomplishing that, and particularly in particular for trans women of color, because mm. there are no white people in this movie at all. Um, just like in Paris is Burning, um, you know, it's entirely black and brown men um, in uh, and and trans women uh, in New York. Um, so, I think that it's it's invaluable in that sense uh, that it gives you like here, like you don't believe it here, watch it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like when like look how much more comfortable and confident and uh, you know and authentically themselves they are now that they are able to you know sort of manifest externally how they identify internally. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a it's a it's a I wish it wasn't such a great time for Kiki to come out, but right. but you know like it is, um, and it should be used as a resource um, uh, in that sense. So, um, but ask your question. So how does this compare to Paris is Burning? <laughs> Such a good question. <laughs> Thank you. Always digging deep. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, uh, so, you know, it has no direct ties to Paris is Burning. Um, it doesn't work with Jenny Livingston, who directed mm-hmm. that, and has no involvement with this. Um, but it is about a very similar uh, subculture. And it kind of works as a companion piece to mm. Paris is Burning. It's sort of like, okay... Let's check in with that same scene 30 years later and see, like, what's different. How is it different? Would you recommend changed? watching these movies together? I think it could be interesting to watch them back to back. I mean, Paris is Burning is such a classic. Mm-hmm. 
And I would say like this movie is not nearly as quotable <laughs> as Paris is Burning. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you know, it's it shows, you know, they're the things that are very different and they're things that are the same. Um, you know, like in terms of the two biggest innovations between Paris is Burning and Kiki, I would say there's the internet mm-hmm. and there's Beyonce. Uh, uh, who is never mentioned, but whose spirit obviously looms large over any and all depictions of black womanhood, um, particularly in the queer world. Uh, so, but um, in terms of what is different, we just see that there's so much more of an emphasis on being politically mobilized and mm. aware and awake. Um, you know, like this is this is um, this is a community of people that realize the inherent politicism of what it is that they're doing, and um, and they organize and they self govern. And as I think we said in the clip, they kind of like they've created their own society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the, definitely not in them Paris to rule. Is burning. It's no, and, and they didn't, not there yet. No, and, and you know, in Kiki, these 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 men and women have been able to build on the foundation yeah. of uh, mm-hmm. of the characters of Paris is Burning, who were. Uh, who were really just trying to survive? Yeah, and support each other at like at a very local and yes. personal level. Just creating it was just about creating community when mm-hmm. you are the most marginalized of the marginalized. Creating family, creating family, creating community, and having fun. Um, and uh, you know, in this is a lot more uh, structured. Mm. It speaks of the millennial spirit <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it's a lot more structured. It's a lot more driven. It's a lot more targeted. It's a lot more ambitious. And um, and so we still have all like the delightful scenes of like the balls and the competitions and uh, which are always just as with Paris is burning. so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. So fucking fun to watch. Um, although uh, we had, I think, a few years back. Um, it may have actually been for Paris is burning. Peaches Christ did a, a Paris is burning show. And then they had she had like a live drag ball on the stage at the Castro. Mm-hmm. And. It ran long. I did not know. And they were just like, they were like, we are like, we know who in the audience will not have been to a ball before because when this is like rounding the 90 minute mark, you're going to be like, is this still going? <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, it was a long, long night, but it was awesome. Um, so, uh, so there's still, you know, so the things that are similar are the ball scenes themselves and this kind of, you know, this competition, um, but also, you know, just celebration, uh, all the different houses coming mm-hmm. together. Um, and, uh, they're the things that are not exciting that are still the same, uh, are fear of police brutality, mm-hmm. uh, are, um, uh, survive, uh, survival sex work, mm-hmm. uh, still not being able to work in the straight world generally, unless you, as a trans, uh, woman, unless you're able to pass, um, uh, still needing to um, just general poverty. How about the fear of disease? You know, uh, AIDS mm. large over Paris is burning. Yes, there is a, one of the men who they follow does tell the story of how he found out that he was um, positive, and uh, so it still it still looms large. And there's still there's a scene where somebody tells them the statistic. I don't know if it's accurate, um, but that like sixty percent of black men. Um, uh, I don't know if it's going to be a national figure or like a New York figure or what, but they're like 60% of black men um, are HIV positive by the time they're 40 or something like that. Hmm. Um, which, uh, again, can't vouch for that accuracy, yeah. but is uh, something shared in the room and, uh, you know, in the spirit of 
compelling them all to know their status. So we see, we do see um, people handing out condoms at the, because they hang out on the piers, and the same as in Paris is burning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, and there are people there that are handing out condoms to them and trying to help them, you know, know their status. So we do see that action, um, that, you know, that action to help them to be more actively engaged with their status and with safe sex and uh, and things like that. So, uh, but uh, yeah, so that that is, that is a, a thing that is, I guess the same, but also more uh, more sophisticated. Now, that's that's kind of the thing that's different. Is in general, there's just a lot more sophistication. Um, there's a more sophisticated understanding of trans identity, for instance, mm-hmm. um, than the first film reflected. Um, and uh, you know, there are some of the the people in this film um, have gone to college, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, so like there's just a lot of 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 just as in sort of any sort of generational lineage of different groups. Like, you know, the further on you move, like the more um, access you have to the resources that previous generations were denied. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's very clear uh, in this film. We also see some parents who are actually supportive. Oh, really? Um, which is uh, always great to see. Yeah. Uh, so uh, so it's 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 uh, unquestionably a companion film with Paris is Burning. Um, Paris is Burning, I would say, at the end of the day, is is the better film. It is more quotable and uh, is just more of a landmark Kiki is, um, so it meanders a lot. Mm. Um, it's one of those movies, it's like 95 minutes long. It feels twice that. Um, it's super, yeah, it's nonlinear, I would say to a fault. It goes down a lot of different tangents um, and uh, before kind of trying to go back to any sort of centralized narrative. Um, so it isn't the most compelling um, at times, but... Still, like the stories it tells are so valuable, and uh, the snapshot into this world they were given incredible access, as I mentioned, over four years, mm-hmm. and um, and with that, uh, just the sort of the big picture that they're able to paint on this massive canvas of four years of footage, following these different people and all the things that happened in their lives in those four years, and just the stories that like this is still, and it was between um, twenty twelve and uh, twenty fifteen um, that they were filming them. As a as a as a gay man uh, in San Francisco, who told? <laughs> I'm just guessing here. Um, who's involved in the drag scene and mm. and you know goes out? Um, do you feel like you learned anything um, from this movie, or do you feel like this is kind of, um, you know? Yeah, well, this is so different than the drag scene. Um, and you know, it shouldn't be thought of as like a drag scene, really. Like it's 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 no, so I mean, it's no, so it's, its not the thing. same. But like you're, sure. no, you're not someone who uh, is in Iowa and oh, has sure. never been to a drag show, sure, or sure, sure, a gay bar. Yes, um, I would say that no um, shade, Iowa. No, um, we know it's not your fault. Um, but you know, I would say that it is. It's always it's so it's such a unique scene, and I think that I was surprised to find out when Peaches did do her Paris is Burning show that the Bay Area had a ball scene because mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I've never heard of it. And I'm like, God, I'm such a square. Uh, I'm just in such a, and living in my own sort of like, you know, white bubble too, where I'm just like, I don't even know enough queer black people where I would have heard mm-hmm. about a ball scene um, in the Bay Area. I'm like, of course it makes sense that we have one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a pretty active voguing yeah. scene. And uh, which is just... Oh, you haven't heard? <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> Mm. Oh, the smugness! Mm. <laughs> my, oh, she's my, doing a smug Vogue right now. I'm doing my a Hillary, Vogue of smugness. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> my Hillary shimmy. I can't believe how well this is going. <laughs> um, so oh. I know, but it wasn't. Um, so yeah, I would you know I would say in general it was just a reminder of um, you know of this culture that 
that exists and is self-sustaining. Um, and uh, and it's it's so full of it's incredible. <laughs> you were gonna say eels. <laughs> To throw back the last week. God There's so it. many eels. I don't know, I don't they know where inlet. they came from. Eels eat the people. <laughs> um, and uh, no, it's so full of, you know, the thing about <laughs> the thing about watching, you know, Paris is burning and this is just being so shocked at like, because, you know, we're, the majority of the, of the people that we're seeing are extremely, extremely low income. And but like the innovation mm. of, of the looks that they serve and just the energy and it's just it's it can't help but just like it's inspiring uh it's really inspiring not to be condescending about it but it's really really inspiring um to uh to watch these people who have who have so little you know sociopolitically speaking just fucking turn it out um and party on a level that many of us could only dream of partying uh, so you're giving Kiki a binge, a binge it. it. Yes, it is on iTunes and in theaters now. Excellent. It's unrated, but um, what do you think? Maybe an R for language? Yeah, sounds right. All right. Uh, and that brings us to our last movie, which is The Girl with All the Gifts. In the future, a strange fungus has changed nearly everyone into a thoughtless, flesh-eating monster. When a scientist and a teacher find a girl who seemed to be immune to the fungus, they all begin a journey to save humanity. Once upon a time, there was a woman. The most beautiful and amazing woman in all the world. No! You just touched her. Watch. No, please don't do that. They're only children. Stop it! One day, she was attacked by a monster. But then a girl came running up and killed it. And the woman said, Melanie! You are my special girl, and I'll never let you go. So this this kind of looks like a video game movie. Does it feel like a video game movie? Uh, once they, uh, in the second half of the film, it does take on more of a general, like, Walking Dead, uh, you know, out running from zombies and taking mm-hmm. taking them out with headshots mm. uh type thing um, a la jean week <laughs> a la jean week and so yeah at that point i guess you could say it gets a little video gamey and okay. that's also when the film kind of gets a little bit less interesting um because it is just like you're like okay i've definitely seen this before Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And in particular, if you are a viewer of The Walking Dead, you see it all the time. Also, if you're a viewer of The Walking Dead, I don't understand you. <laughs> um, I gave up on that show like five years ago. And from what I can tell, it's literally been the same thing ever since. I think uh, it has. What it else could possibly happen? It certainly was the same thing with the first, like the four seasons I did watch. Mm-hmm. Don't understand it. Don't understand everyone just signing up for week after week after week of pretty much the same thing. Um, but with that said, Walking Dead fans, I think will probably enjoy this film. Um, it's a little change of pace. Yeah, you know, switch it up a little. Um, they even have, so Glenn Close is in this film. Mm-hmm. She plays the doctor who is attempting to, uh, she's doing experiments on these, these hybrid zombie children, um, to try to figure out some sort of, you know, uh, uh you know, formula to fix this epidemic. And she has been styled to look not unlike Carol in The Walking Dead. <laughs> she just has, you know, <laughs> just silver hair, no nonsense. Silver fox. So yeah, she's a real silver fox. So I feel like uh, there's 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 an homage there, uh, uh, perhaps. Uh, you also, 
having Glenn Close in a zombie movie, um, you know, you do, even though this is a fairly intelligent uh, zombie movie, uh, you still have like Glenn Close being grabbed by people dressed as zombies and screaming and shaking mm. them off. Which, you know, it just always hurts the team to see, yeah. like, legends of film, like, you know, pretending, you know, to be attacked by a person dressed as a zombie. With a, a fungus zombie. A fungus zombie. Yeah, this is very much of the 28 Some days giant later. Giant medical oopsie. <laughs> yeah, much more. I mean, I, I still related. Um, <laughs> it's like a slippery slope. Uh, but, you know, it's very much from the 28 days later school mm-hmm. of, like, oh, it, it, they don't call it zombies. They call them hungries. Mm, <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that. Doesn't pass the smell test uh-uh. for you. No. You're like, Mm-mm, I'm calling them zombies. Hey, don't police my language. <laughs> I mean, you can't say zombies unless you want brains. <laughs> <laughs> These people uh, don't want brains. Uh, they they don't actually. They just kind of want to eat uh, people. They don't really go for the brains. Oh, um, you said they just want to eat. I mean, I mean, we can all. You're like, all right. That. Well, then, yeah. You're like, well, are we well, hungry right hungry. now? All right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Quite the hungry. Uh, yeah, I, I am as well. What are we doing? Let's um, just stop and get something. We'll finish. But so they're, they're called hungries. Uh-huh. And yeah, it's from a fungal infection. Um, and it converted the vast majority of sort of the human population of Earth. Um, but then there is this sort of this, this second generation um, that was born um, to um, infected mothers. And, uh, and they were sort of discovered uh, in this maternity ward of a hospital. And then they were all taken, and, and now they're kept in these cells, and they're only brought and they're only brought out in these like restrictive wheelchairs that hold down their hold their heads and limbs in place. And because they're, they're like half zombie, half person. Yeah, like because unlike the all the all the people who were um, who were turned out there in the world, um, just became full zombie or full hungry. Um, <laughs> and but these kids, because they're like second generation. So wait, did someone who already had the hungry then procreated with someone who did not have the hungry? You're like, and if so, was there consent? Yeah, I mean... No, it was sort of like, I think it was something where like the if you infection... you can be covered in a fungal infection and like I think the infe- have game... I think um, the infection... <laughs> then let me study you. I am. Uh, hats off. Uh, no, I think the infection you know. the infection spread, I think, after they were already pregnant. And it's it, you catch it really easily um, mm. in this movie. Uh, not in like my own oopsie. And look out. Um... <laughs> But uh, so it spreads really easily. And I think the, the mothers became infected and um, and then their babies were infected in their wombs and ate their way out. It's <laughs> no. a fun, 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 fun detail. No. In the film. Um, uh, but uh, but now but then they mm. but they are still able to like reason and they have they, you know, have they can think and they can feel and they can communicate um, but they also still have this like hungry bloodlust. Mm-hmm. They still have a fungal infection that's like circling their brain and making them act this way. Except for this one child, this this uh, well, this one child, child, little girl of color, a special little girl upon whom the weight of the world. Yes. Well, she. Rests. Let me just say that she is the reason this movie is in any way like. Oh, you should check this out. Um, is this girl? She is. Uh, I believe she's thirteen now. Um, her name is, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's like Senaya Nanua. And, uh, she is a British actress and she is such a find. She's so incredible. Such a remarkable balance playing this character, Melanie, a uh, remarkable balance of, of just this like kind of like egghead, like, you know, front of the class, like mm-hmm. teacher's pet. 
Um, but then also this feral zombie-ish quality that's like just under the surface. And then um, she's constantly trying to manage it. And she's being this sort of like dutiful little like good girl being like, I'm really trying, but not in like a cheesy, like daddy's girl way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like she's, she's really trying to be conscientious about it and she's really trying to manage it. And, um, and, uh, and so she's not, she's not quite like, you know, the salvation It's not like a full on children of men situation, mm-hmm. but she is especially smart and sensitive and thoughtful and insightful. And, um, and, uh, and she is sort of this child who goes out, who ends up after their facility, after this government facility is overrun by hungries, a group of them go out, um, and are just trying to find another like military facility to go to. And, um, and she is sort of just changing people's minds in terms of like what these, what they think about her, except for her, her dear teacher. This is really, this is probably one of the sweetest teacher pupil relationship movies Mm. I have ever seen. Um, because you want to talk about stories about teachers taking a chance on an at-risk kid. <laughs> uh, this kid is a zombie. Um, and, uh, but the teacher played by Jim Arterton, um, who has been in some interesting stuff recently. She's in a film called Their Finest, um, which I loved at Toronto. It's been a minute. Ding. Ding. And, uh, you're like, Mm-mm. And, uh, and, uh, so anyway, so she plays the teacher and she's very, uh, yeah, she has a lot of heart and it's a sweet, sweet, sweet performance about how much it takes that, like how much a teacher can mean to a student in need and really kicks it Mm. up a notch. Um, and you know, just a student who needs to have their humanity and their personality and their personhood just seen Mm -hmm. and affirmed. Um, and that's really what their relationship is, is, uh, is here. So that's great to see. And, uh, yeah. And she's kind of. This girl's the reason for the movie. She's uh, she's the whole reason to see it. Um, and uh, you know, there's there's the zombie the zombie violence is fairly predictable. Um, there's kind of some interesting stuff going on here in terms of like, I think if it is an allegory, which I'm sure it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the author had in mind, but it feels like an allegory about generational um, transition. Um, mm. Because so we have like the you know sort of sort of like the adult generation is like it's ruined. They're fucked. Um, but now we have this next generation, so the hopes get pinned on them to right. be like, let's try to fix them. Let's try to, but only the way we want to do it. We don't want to be able to control it ourselves. We want to force them to be this certain way, mm-hmm. but which might just not be the way they are. Um, and um, and by the end, there's been this. Put down sort- your damn phones, millennials. <laughs> you're not saving the world through Snapchat. <laughs> Is that what you're trying to say? That is what I'm trying to say. I thought so. Um, so, uh, and that's all I have to say. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and that's, that pretty much is the whole point of this review, um, is that I don't understand Snapchat. Or, or people people who watch The Walking Dead, comma, Snapchat. So you have Snapchat. never used the Walking Dead filter on Snapchat? Or <laughs> turns you into a zombie? <laughs> no, I haven't. I know I'm missing out, but... Do you feel like there will be more movies? I feel like there's a kind of a... In this state of political unrest and like as, you know, our president has said the words um, a nuclear holocaust, Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of talk about how the other great equalizer of history has been disease, Mm -hmm. widespread disease and epidemics. Right. Um, Do you think there'll be more epidemic movies on the horizon? (laughs) I mean, you know, it's kind of been like a common thing over time that there have been a lot, but I feel like there might be a a resurgence in in this kind of... Well, I I think I speak for all of us when I say that those seven new plants are all looking pretty good right now. Right? (laughs) I see you, Trappist One. Who wants to interstellar this shit? (laughs) It's only 40 light years away. 40 million light years away. I mean, 
when you're going at space speed, I feel like that probably goes quickly, space right? Space speed. This is this is gonna actually turn into passengers. <laughs> I'm gonna wake up. I'm gonna exactly. get bored, and then I'm gonna open your thing because I'm gonna want someone to talk to. You're like, hey, buddy. And I'm like, you're, you're the only person on the ship I know. All right. right. You're like, I passengered you. <laughs> <laughs> wake up! Wake up! Wake up! Exactly. I feel like you could do that on like a road trip. <laughs> if like somebody just starts to fall asleep, and then it's like middle of the night, and you just like wake up, and like, are we there? Like, no, we're a long way from it, but I'm bored. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to have sex with you. <laughs> oh, I just showered. <laughs> and my audio, tape, my audio tape read by Michael Sheen's getting boring. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess <laughs> I'm sure that it'll be interesting to see the sort of like, because the thing about Trump that I feel like people have struggled with in the art world is like, how do you parody a parody has certainly been, um, mm-hmm. you know, a question of like, well, what do you even do with that? Um, so, um, but yeah, I could certainly see this inspiring um those kinds of stories and um you know so and girl with all the gifts uh gives us a vision that you know that does have uh some hope of being like you know what even if one generation fucks it all up you know another one comes in and they Mm -hmm. uh they're able to synthesize what has happened in this previous generation and they are able to it makes them stronger and sharper to take on the world and to move forward in whatever the new reality is I guess you could say that's sort of the connection between Kiki and uh, the girl with all the gifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, they are both about sort of like those, yeah, just generational gaps, generational shifts and transitions mm-hmm. and uh, how each one sort of, you know, builds on what has happened before and comes into this world sharper and uh, ready to go. What are you giving this one? I'm giving it consume in moderation. Okay. Um, it seems like a good, uh, I don't know, like rainy day at home movie yeah yeah i think that's i think that's probably accurate um you know it it does have some emotionally compelling elements to it and this 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 young actress is just so unbelievably good um glenn close yes this this young firebrand ingenue (laughs) uh so yes that is the girl with all the gifts it's rated r for disturbing violence bloody images and for language and that wraps up our movies this week. Um, once again, going to say, go see Get Out. Go see it this weekend. It is phenomenal. Um, you won't want to be the person who hasn't seen it on Monday because then no one can talk about it around you. And then before you know it, there's like, you know, there's a schism at work and nobody wants to be seen with you because they're and they're all going to go to lunch and talk about it. And then they want, you know, it's just going to it's really bad for your career to not go Social see Social suicide. Um, but what you should do is subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. Um, you can follow Jason on a Twitter. He is um, at Excess Package. And I'm at Fight Balance. Um, thank you so much for listening. Bye, guys. Bye bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end, that's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.